Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunt. We are a little more than a couple weeks out from football being back entirely here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think everyone would appreciate it if that was actually on Saturday, because camp already feels long to me at this point. We haven't even hit the third week. I know. Where well, I'm already piecing out, so. That's true. You guys can enjoy the third week. The I'm second gone. week is when the legs go. Yeah. So, got to get our sea legs back under us. That's fair. As they say. That, uh, that's, that's definitely oh. fair. That chime you heard was somebody's cell phone. Yeah, it's me. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, Nebraska practiced uh, Tuesday and Wednesday this week after scrimmaging on Sunday and taking Monday off. We had the opportunity to watch another 40 minutes of practice here on Wednesday. What takeaways, if any... Did you guys have of watching Nebraska for a second time here this month? Well, we saw some things. Some things. We saw some guys running into each other. Saw Jakeem Green in the flesh in Lincoln for the first time. They, uh, I, I was, uh, they were running the Husker drill today for the first time this fall, and there was some, mm-hmm. there was some hitting. They put it on display right for us. Right. It Did was... you notice how they kind of shifted the group? Yeah, I appreciated that. I, I thought that was a nice touch by the guys. My, my favorite part of that was actually the people who ran off to the yeah. – they wanted to get the first spots underneath the goal post so they could get the – when they yeah. the normal layout of it. And then they had to come running back with all of their camera they had, stuff. And they had they to were be already, in the second row. They were already out. They yeah. got forced out. There's a good, le- there's a good life lesson there. Which is don't assume things. You just, you just want to be patient with the, the Husker drill. Just let, it, to, let it come to you. I thought uh, within the drill – I thought uh, Mills and Ramirez looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I would say uh, the other guy that probably stood out to me was uh, Mo Washington. Oh, not, yeah. Not that uh, – he's not heavier. It doesn't look heavier no. to, to my eye than he did last year, which was kind of the thing that everybody's like, oh, he's great, but he needs to put on weight. But he was uh, pretty elusive. Yeah, he's, he's the guy that I'm drawn to first of anybody on that field still. Uh, just the way he moves, and it's so effortless. And it was the same way when Amir Abdullah was near the end of his Husker career, and even when they're, you're just watching him do pretty standard drills in August or April, and to watch a guy like that move, it's like, oh, that's different than everybody else. Maurice Washington is that. So I people need not forget about that because I think whenever he is able to play, uh, I think he's got something – pretty big in store this year yeah i i definitely agree with the the maurice washington thing i mean just in that drill alone i think he was the first guy to go and you could just see the explosiveness and the fluidity in which he moves relative to the the other people um if if maurice is first the guy that sort of reminded me today that he's still really good with the football in his hands is jd spielman yeah he looked really smooth in that same drill as well he has just really good vision and it's something Brunson and I saw when we watched him in high school on a punt return his ability to get the defenders to all go to one direction and then he can just make such a quick cut and he's just gone and he, he hid behind his blocker perfectly I mean he looked really smooth in that drill it was actually something else I noticed he was very energetic uh, he was around his receivers a lot, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a guy that it gets brought up that he's not real vocal. He's not 
doesn't necessarily clamor for the, to replace Stanley Morgan in terms of a leadership role that he kind of keeps to himself. Uh, you could see that he was definitely pretty fired up today at practice, and whether it was when Jamie Nance had success or I think Darian Chase was one of them, Mike Williams. I mean, he went over every time one of the wide receivers was involved in that drill and was right there being the first one to greet him. Small thing, but you notice it uh, when you hadn't seen it really before. And it has been talked about, at least in terms of who's going to pick up that room a little bit, just from the vocal leadership standpoint. Defensively, anybody stand out to you? Ty Robinson uh, won his rep with authority. Um, I believe against Ethan Piper. Stonewalled him and brought the ball carry down. I don't know who it was um, at the first level. Ty, I mean, Ty Robinson is a guy that the, the last couple of weeks we we haven't talked a ton about. I haven't seen a ton been asked about him, but he's every bit of like 6'4", 310, Bigger than Jakeem right Green. Yeah. I mean, you, you stand him side, to, side by side, and Robinson looks like the, the bigger player. I mean, do, do you guys think that he has I, – I, he might be a, a guy you would look at as a potential plus four, even with the depth that they have? I think it's possible. I think it, it would be nice if they could keep him at four if, if there's no serious injuries. But the way Tony Tuioti talks about his D-line, it feels like basically there's, there's six guys he knows he believes in. And now Jakeem Green enters, and they're going to – He's going to be drinking through a fire hose for the next week, and we'll see how he comes out of it, if he can be in that rotation or not. I think they're going to give him the chance to show that he can play right away and join that group, and that would give you seven. And then I feel like Casey Rogers is next in line because he's the redshirt freshman and the four-game rule doesn't apply anymore. And so, and he's right on the cusp of that, that group. And then I think Ty Robinson among just new guys is next most years without a doubt he would be playing and not redshirting and it's a good thing that we're talking about he could redshirt because that shows the shift well here's the thing that's kind of fun to think about because we've seen a little bit of physical shift for some of these guys in just one year with Zach all what does ty robinson look like at this time next year assuming health assuming able to go through you know, the, the fall, whatever happens, however they choose to use him, whether it's scout team or, or part of the rotation or whatever. But then he gets the winter and the spring to kind of continue to reshape and build himself up. I mean, he could be a pretty impressive-looking guy. Uh, you didn't mention either of these two, and they're, they're in different situations. Tate Wildeman, I want to see. Uh, I wrote about this last week. He's one of those guys that I'm just – I'm not going to bring him up if I'm talking to Tony Tuioti, but I want to – see if his name comes up at yep. all and then um another one who kind of like ty robinson when people people have brought him up most i knew some yeah as uh he he came to camp looking a little bit bigger and, and physically stronger than i think people expected he uh last week more so than this week i didn't watch the defense as much he flashed a few times um and he's a guy that could be a defensive end that helps replace some of these guys that are going to be outgoing sooner than later. So yeah. the older guys like him, him to too. Play. Was that the older guys really like? Yeah, him too. his name has came up from Darian Daniels, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, the Davis twins. So um, he's someone that I think keep an eye on. Not this year, I don't expect him to play much, but going forward, he's he's definitely someone I I expect to be involved. He's no longer a young guy, but maybe having the best camp of anybody, and it's so 
it's way too quiet for how good he's performing from what we hear is DeAndre Thomas. Yeah. I, I think. Did you see his rep when he was the first guy up there? I missed it, but. He shook the guy right away yeah. and basically blew it up long enough that the second tier guy or second linebacker guy was able to. I think he's going to start. Not, not that it matters because they're going to move around so much, but it, it looks like he's first up, even ahead of Stilly maybe. And uh, I'll tell you what, people I think kind of forgot about him because he had that weird true freshman year where he's playing the nose undersized. And then last year, last year, thankfully, he did break his hand because it. I, I don't know if they would have went over four with him anyway, but that forced them to do that, to redshirt him. And it's a good situation now because you got a guy with three years of eligibility who is becoming the player. I think you guys, I always bring it up because it was a good call by you, thought he was one of the best in that class, and I think he might prove that to be true still. Here, let's play kind of the imagination game here. You've got Ooh. the – Pretty much the the starting eleven on defense. You you know who it's generally going to be. Colin Miller, Will Honus is still are still battling there. And the only thing we don't know is how Cam Taylor is going to be used. He was with the, he was playing nickel today. Yeah, and but that that's what I mean. Like he's going to be on the field, but if they're in their base personnel, like does he just replace Markel? We'd probably have JoJo Doman out there. I would guess too. Right? Yeah, would, would be your your other outside backer now. Well. If with Davis out and Doman out, I don't know at this point. Tanner, D- Doman was there today. Was he practicing today? Mm-hmm. Full I did go. Not see that. You're basically asking if they play four DBs, who are the four? Well, and I I think that in most setups, it's DiCaprio, Lamar, Markel, who Travis Fisher has not shied away from his spring comments. He's very very happy with where Markel is at right now. I think it's pretty clear that he's ahead of those other guys behind him, and then Deontay. So, if you're in base or nickel, with assuming that Cam Taylor's your nickel, do you think that that group is one that's going to allow Nebraska to take a, a big enough step forward to be a Big Ten West winner? Um, they're going to be decidedly better on the back end this year. And that's weird to say because you wouldn't think of it that way on paper because of all the veterans they had. But these guys, and I don't care if people call the it athleticism. Hype, if they call it hype or whatever, it's true. They're just more athletic, and yeah. they got higher ceilings back I, there. I right? don't think that's a. I don't think that's a hype thing. I think that's fairly obvious to anybody who watched practice last year, and you know, Trey Neal's understanding of the defense is one thing, but Deontay Williams' just sheer athletic ability surpasses it significantly. I love Trey Neal, the you know the way he was with us, mm-hmm. and just he's a perfect great guy. Um, but he was probably going to be second string at UCF before he transferred. Yeah. And so, I mean, the, the, Deontay Williams is, to me, if unless I'm just surprised and he's a, a dud, and I, I think – He won't be a dud. I think he's going to be pretty darn good. Yeah, uh, no, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I, I like the, the defensive backs and the defensive line a lot. I don't know about the linebackers. Like, that's the area of the defense that I have the biggest question mark at this point. In part because health, with you know Alex Davis having not practiced a lot recently, JoJo Doman just coming back, you've got Will Honus who's returning from a knee injury, and you don't have a lot of depth as it is at inside linebacker. You don't know what Caleb Tanner is going to give you from day to day. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's so many questions on that middle level. Like that's the one thing that holds me back from being like, 
these guys are massively improved from last year. I think they're improved, but I don't know if it's going to be a huge jump or just a jump. Yeah, I mean, it was always easy to pick on Diedrich Young, and he got picked on a lot by the fan base and media, but I always looked at it this way. Multiple coaches decided he was their best option for basically four years over other guys, and some of those guys that are in the program now, and granted Colin Miller was just figuring out how to play middle backer last year. But I guess I'd put it like this. I'm interested to see if all the couch – all of us couch quarterbacks and stuff who analyze him and would say uh, he's not living up to it, if he's that easy to replace and somebody's just as good or better than him, or if actually you're like, you know what, that position's freaking hard to play and it's you got to work to find somebody that, that can really own it uh, and it's going to take some time. That's what I'm kind of curious about that. Is there an example you can think of in recent Husker history of somebody that would be like that? Like a, a player that maybe didn't get the due from the the fans or the media. I'm not even saying people are necessarily wrong, but di- but I I just think it's a hard position to play, and it's one of those positions where when you mess up, it's a, it's like cornerback anymore now, where if you miss your run fit, everybody the next day is showing you ten clips about this wrong step you took, you know, and mm-hmm. all this and that. It, and Colin Miller and Will Honus are about to be put under that microscope. You know, right now it's all fun and games and everything's going, you know, north for them and we, we're, everybody says the right things. But, you know, you miss that first run fit, you know, everybody's going to be talking about, oh, they look slow, this and that, you know. So that that's something they're going to have to deal with. You have to have thick skin to play that position. To your question, I'm thinking, but I don't have one offhand. So, so good enough or no? Oh, yeah. The imagination game. Are are they good enough to win the Big Ten West with that group, with the top group? I think so. Yeah. Begrudgingly. Now that Minnesota's quarterback position is in flux. It is definitely in (laughs) flux. Um, But it's also just a matter of, like, are their flaws more significant than the flaws of the other Big Ten programs? No. I mean, I, I think that their offense is good enough to keep them in games. And their defense just has to do enough to allow the offense to take over. And if they're boom and bust, which I think that that's what they're going to play like, um, and I wish I could get a Vegas number on takeaways because I would like to hit the over, depending on what it's at, I suppose. But, um, <laughs> Let's I, say it's 27 and a half. <laughs> Are you guys taking over or under on takeaways? Total? They, they had 20 last year. I was thinking 25 would be the number that was set. And I would they go only over played that. 12 games, though. 27 and a half. They had 14 of the 20 in the last six games of the year. Mm-hmm. I would – oh, God, that's, that's – 27 and a half is a really good number. 25 is what I would was thinking, and I would go over that. I would very – I would go over just barely. What, what did they have what, – what was their number at UCF that – 32. 32, 32? Yep. But they played 14 games. God. I – that's a good number. It is a good number. I, I kind of want to go under that number after yeah. talking a big game yeah. without going over. <laughs> I think they're going to be right by it. I don't yeah, no, that's why it's a good number. Yeah, it's like I think they're going to be in that 26 to 29 Nine. range. Yeah, 26 to 29, yeah. somewhere in there. Give me I'll the over. Down. What the hell? Let it ride. Oh. 
look at this guy. He just loosened his belt buckle. You should do a podcast that's all just over-unders. Yeah. Maybe next week. Yeah, we could do we that. We don't have any practice availability that we can watch anything at. We should do yeah. it, though, where we just come up with them on the spot, where we kind of like ham and haw. <laughs> like that? Like normal. A great example. Yeah. yeah. Where we just ignored Brunson's question for a good six minutes. I just let you guys we... talk. I don't know. Uh, started and ended, ended up talking about <laughs> Diedrich Young. <laughs> so, well. that, that went a direction I really wasn't expecting. <laughs> Diedrich, Young, Diedrich Young, top ten tackler in program history, by the way. Yeah, yeah. he's he's up there. Yeah, he accumulated. And he did. You know what? He's anyway. He he did well at pro day. Like he's a he's a dude. Like when you stand next he, to him, he's in there with the Browns. But anyway, any other uh, takeaways from practice or even availability? Anybody getting talked about? I mean, Luke Reimer was a name that came up. Obviously, it was about a week early on, on the uh, emerging walk-on storyline. You're you're down on uh, linebackers overall, and when Luke Reimer does things like makes a mistake but tackles it anyways, but which I think a, is my favorite quote from Barrett Rude so far this this fall. Yeah. But there's a there's a rhythm to fall camp. We're we're not yet to. This ain't your grandpa's fall camp, yeah. Brunts. They're they're doing everything fast over there now. Pace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got a couple things that came up today, um, or this week, I guess. Uh, offensive line picture, pretty much kind of what we expected it was going to be. Um, you, mm. You've got Trent Hickson at left guard, Will Farniak at center right now. We, okay, so when did we expect that it was going to be Will Farniak? Because I didn't expect Will Farniak. Well, I mean, once it was clear that Cam Jurgens was limited again. Okay. <laughs> well, so expected as of like a three-week. The middle of the summer? Well, yeah, I mean, depending on how Don't you Don't play backyard it. games, kids. So Look at Mr. Insider over there. <laughs> the, you had a lawn chair and you watched the whole thing happen? Yeah, I just uh, I, I didn't get in there soon enough, and I, I should have stopped it. Uh, I mean, maybe if he comes back, it gives you a, a little bit of a run, but, I mean, it, it's not, not a ton of surprises. Maybe, maybe one surprise, though. You mentioned Brock Bando in the mix at uh, yeah. left tackle. Well, he's not in the mix in the sense that he's not going to take Brandon Hymas' job. Right. but He's being talked about. Yes. Greg Austin was uh, was pretty lavish with the praise as to just the difference in Brock Bando in his second year in this program with these coaches and what he was in the first year. I mean, he, he pretty much went as far to say that he was like, a, you know, not there <laughs> last year. And he sort of announced himself. Uh, with a good spring and then followed it up with a good summer. It was great in the weight room. He's uh, come out of a shell a little bit in terms of his personality, and they're seeing that on the field. And uh, Austin talked about how, you know, one of the challenges with taking over a different program is you have to learn who and and who needs to be motivated in what ways and who's driven by what things. And your initial expectations of players are – did bunked pretty quickly after a year. And so he basically said, with a guy like Brock Bando, you, you shouldn't ever judge the book by its cover because when you get a chance to finally open it up, it can be an entirely different experience than you would have guessed. So, That's beautiful. Um, you, you thought you were getting <laughs> Salinger and, nope, surprise, it's yeah. John Grisham. Yeah. <laughs> Very readable. <laughs> so readable that you can't remember the plots of any of them. That's probably about a lawyer. Uh, uh, usually. Unless it's about a baseball team. Um, so I, I think that, you know, Bando has really kind of come on strong as someone that if if the worst were to happen and you lose 
Brandon Hymas for an extended period of time, they feel a little bit better about their left tackle situation than maybe they had previously. So, And that's a guy, I mean, I had written off Brock Bando. I'll admit it. I did not expect that I would ever be sitting here on a podcast talking about Brock Bando as someone that has come on strong at left tackle. I mean, he was he was moved in as guard basically because they didn't think he could play tackle. It didn't look like his athleticism would allow him to move to play tackle. And he had a great offseason. I mean, that's these guys, and I'm guilty of this as anyone, we write off players super early if they don't perform. We uh, we move on to the recruits as soon as the next class is in the in the fold, and and they had a great offensive line class. And they're obviously very excited about all of those guys. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's a point in time where Brock Bando's a starting left tackle here at Nebraska. I never would have guessed that. But talking to Greg Austin today, it doesn't seem like it would be as far away as I might have expected prior to in today's conversation. Just to put the names to it, so people. Can left to right it. Yeah. Uh, right now on your top group, you've got Hymas on left tackle, Hickson at left guard, Will Farniak center, Bo Wilson right guard, Matt Farniak right tackle. So all these little uh, plot lines we had where maybe you could <laughs> – and, and that was fun, but it ended up being kind of straightforward as, as you would think. Uh, and then Bando, second team, left tackle – uh raritan is in there with the second group right now at left guard i believe aj forbes uh yep. seems to be getting the lion's share of reps with second team at center um they've always liked him in the weight room yeah, he's a redshirt freshman too uh right guard that'd be sickerman and yep. then right tackles ben hart who yep. at this point i guess you'd say if people stay healthy he could redshirt but I don't know. We're pointing out with Ben Hart because that would require Farniak playing more right guard. Yep. Austin said they haven't really had the chance because of health and everything else that they haven't felt like they should move guys around a lot. They've been playing the spots yeah. that they're – I think, I mean, what I took away from my conversation with Greg Austin is those five, barring any sort of injury between now and August 31st, those are going to be the first five that take the field against South Alabama. I think he likes his group right now. I think they, they had a good scrimmage Sunday, it sounded like, and he defended them. You know, some of the reports are the defense is owning things all the time and all this. And he pointed out, which is true, some of the stuff that gets charted as short yardage gains or whatever in normal practices, those are six- or seven-yard games when, when you actually, say, tackle the guy to the ground. And so the old line's work looks a lot better when you start playing the real football and you can really scrimmage and see what it's all about. And they, they performed – they held their own uh, this weekend. So that's a good sign. Okay. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick time out here. When we come back, we have the wheel. ho The wheel of topics. We're, uh, we're excited to give that a spin. We can discuss – a little of, of everything, really. You got some Nebraska football recruiting to get to, uh, the addition of Jakeem Green. You have Sevion Morrison potentially making a decision. We've got some basketball to cover. They finished up their trip as undefeated champions of Europe. Brunts will break down all of that. And there's even a little baseball news to throw in. So be sure to join us on the other side. Yeah, look at wow, look at that wheel go. It is nice to see the wheel in all of its glory again this week. It's a little dinged up, but we've got uh what two more weeks of the wheel? 
I think the wheel could be a weekly edition. We're going to transition into the... Well, this is a good time to point out that the Husker Hypecast will be returning yes. again this mm-hmm. fall. Um, Fridays. So you'll have a double double podcast session during the, the football season as the Hypecast joins you as we get prepared for games. Brunts will be making bold predictions, seeing if he can improve upon last year's experience. It's going to be hard to do. We uh, we have our topic. Has the wheel been spun? Uh, it stopped. Sorry, I just stopped. Okay. Um, here's a a little bit of a big picture question that the wheel provided. Mm-hmm. Who's the most underrated Husker you've covered? The wheel didn't specify sport either, so oh, feel free to. Explore the studio space a little bit if you need to. <laughs> I like that it looked like the wheel had stopped on something else, but there was just that one last push yeah. and got it over. Yep. <laughs> I uh, I wonder if this is a question. It looks like is it your that I put on the yes. Okay. That you put on the wheel. I I think I chose to assign that to a spot on the wheel. Um, man, I don't know. <laughs> Why did I ask this question? That's a tough one. Well, there's a lot of different ways you can go with it. Sure. Uh, like in all of the different sports that I have covered since starting to cover Nebraska football, like someone like Brandon Crick, who is close to getting his PGA card, would come up. But I don't think people really want me to talk about my experience covering the 2008 <laughs> golf team. Those were the so, days. Uh, it was a it was a solid first beat to get. They let you play ever? No, that's too bad. But we did a thing where I uh, I got golf tips from various players, and then we put it to uh, cartoon drawings, and it became very popular on Thursdays in the fall of 2008. There you go. So it was really what propelled me in my future journalism career. And your golfing career. Uh, I didn't use oh. any of the tips. I should have actually read what I wrote. That's too bad. And then applied it. Uh, okay, so here's someone. He's not underrated in the sense that, like, fans – forgot that he was on the team or that he was, you know, better than solid or anything like that. I think a guy, when you look back at Nebraska's history of this era, post, you know, Callahan and pre-Frost, and you talk about, like, the good defensive players, it always pops up, like Prince Mukamara and Sue and Levante David, and you get Randy Gregory. The guy I don't think ever got credit for how good he was is Jared Crick. Jared Crick was terrific in 2010 the year after sue had left he was one of the best interior defensive linemen in the country he was great the year that he had sue to play with obviously he had five and a half sacks in one game against baylor and if he hadn't gotten hurt going into the 2011 season i think nebraska's defense would have been better that year too i mean i i think he's one of those guys that if you were to make a list of the really good players over the last decade i don't think he would get enough run from people because i think he's sort of was overshadowed by being on the same team as Sue and then directly after and not being at the same level because Sue was just a different level of player, but being really damn good. There's some O-linemen who fit the bill here, and it sort of was proven out in their um, the Post way their NFL careers. careers have worked out, you know, with the Qualies and Searles and those type of guys who have lasted in the league while being free agents. Matt Slauson was a guy who I covered who I don't think people when he was here thought of as amazing or anything, but he was a solid guy uh, who had a long NFL career. Um, Eric Hag got a lot of attention 
in that defense, but he was arguably, if you talk to the people on that staff, their best best defender because of how versatile he was. So he was maybe even better than some people understood for that defense and all he could do. Those are that's a tough question though because there's there's probably levels of it. There's some really good answers out there that your brain is trying to get to, but it's hard on the spot. One guy that the nation's attention turns to Bruns, who's yet to weigh in, as this happens every week. Maybe the guy that I think as more time passes, people kind of forget about him because he he was really good. Um, And I I think even with the way that college football is now, he would he would have a a lot of notoriety. Demario Williams was pretty good. That was not what I thought you were going to say. Who'd you think I was going to say? I thought you were lining up a running back. No, I. There were a couple running backs too. I thought of. I actually but. thought you were lining up Marlon Lucky. <laughs> no, 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 no. And you were setting up with like passing to your running back and yeah. all of that. No, I, I think that when you kind of look back, Demario Williams played at the uh, kind of the right time. I mean, he was there when they when Bo Pelini came in as a defensive coordinator, and he made that defense look a lot better. I think than it maybe might have been. Mm-hmm. Um. He the schedule helped with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that didn't hurt either. But I, I think that he's a guy that really kind of gets forgotten now among who I would say are pretty, you know, one of, definitely one of the better players I covered. That's uh, a good answer. At, at Nebraska. And a guy with an interesting backstory, too, mm-hmm. having, you know, basically worked in oil fields for a while and went to junior college ball. He's uh, apparently lives in East Texas still, I understand. Yeah. He's got a ranch down there. But, uh, yeah, that, that's that's the, the direction I think I would go. This More recently, I, I would I would say Levante David's probably still underappreciated a little bit, even though, you know, he, he certainly had respect. But is it because he never actually was the number one player on the depth chart that he only rose there because of injury? I don't know. <laughs> that was a joke. Oh, okay. They got nothing. Okay. That was Tariqo'd in a way that it hasn't Sorry. been Tariqo'd in some time. <laughs> You guys both forget about the Sean Fisher injuries. The only reason that uh, Levante yeah. played in twenty, I, I wasn't covering the team then. That's well, true. Was was Trevor Roach on that? No. I I could be confusing guys. Trevor Roach would have been. He was later. Later. Yeah. Yep. That question also made me think of, for whatever reason, of guys who, and it's this time of year who you thought were going to have be a big deal in the camp, but it never materialized. Like a. Charles Chuck Jackson uh, or like Leroy Alexander was going to blow up and then he I was I was very much on the Leroy Alexander He looked like he would he then he blew himself up but that makes me think of the other side of that um but and then there's those guys who like I thought of a guy with that question at the end of the very end of his career was starting to play really great football but it hadn't been there the whole time was Pierre Allen if you mm. remember Pierre Allen, like in the 09 defense against like Texas, Texas. and in the bowl yeah. game, he was, he was turning into a freak yeah. all of a yeah. sudden. And there's certain guys like that where I'm thinking, like, man, it just came <laughs> at the very end. Like, and he had some good games in his career. I don't want to, but he he turned it. Up. There's been examples of that the last few games where you're like, man, that could have really been something with one more year. Could Roy Hallou be an answer to this as well? Because yeah. You talk about Amir and, and Burkhead, and I mean, he was Royal Lou was really good in 2009, and obviously in 2010 with all of the rushing yards against Missouri alone. 
um, making up for the fact that they didn't run that well against Missouri in 2009, prompting a young Mike Schaefer to ask Tim Beck if there was some concerns about the running game, causing a uh, Beck to yell at me in the bowels of the stadium in Missouri. Oh, after the game? Yeah. On the Thursday night? About how I couldn't yeah. just be happy that Nebraska had won the game and that it was like he went on a full-on rant. Wow. And this was after I had gotten yelled at by Bo Pelini with during drunk, a press conference earlier in the week. It was a rough week. For with me. drunk Missouri fans, like, yeah, screaming over you? Well, they, they were all gone because Nebraska had come back in that game. Well, I know, but that it's uh, they do those interviews. That was one of those Underneath the stadium where yeah. the fans are, like, right there, and then the band marches by. It's just stupid. But Missouri fans taunting Bill Callahan from up above in 2005 yeah. is pretty much all I ever remember about Faroe Field. We could do a whole thing on uh, yeah. some of the post-game setups, which people might find amusing. Yes. But Sports Illustrated ranked Missouri as the number five college campus or college town. Columbia, Missouri oh, is the really? number five. Co- I, <laughs> there is no way that Columbia, Missouri would be number five on – should be number five on anybody's list. Then you go look at who wrote it, and he's a Missouri grad. So. I've seen the top ten lists. They're – pulling out this week and they're yeah. not great they, they i think they said the second toughest stadium uh or is michigan stadium wine uh, and cheese crowd <laughs> not buying it huh no what another hot take are, are missouri fans worse than colorado fans i think so yeah i think so too uh, i think that would be as much fun as people have had with the Colorado look back in the series, like I think a Nebraska-Missouri series right now would be a pretty outstanding ticket and uh, be a little bit of a you know, brouhaha from that too. You, uh, I was looking at that. One thing I've kind of been thinking about, and it was prompted by this uh, a question by a friend of the pod, Josh Peterson, on – 1620 the you other day. You don't have day. to say his whole name. Okay. You can just say Josh. Josh. Just Josh. You um, need to advertise him. So he asked what if, – if there is opinion an opinion in fall camp that there seems to be consensus around that you are ne- not necessarily part of that consen- consensus. So is there a – something that's storyline or whatever that you are falling opposite of the crowd right now? If you'd like, I can – talk about what i talked about yes i i still need to see it from nebraska secondary before i'll say that they're significantly better join the crowd mike <laughs> what more do you need to see <laughs> what's well, the same guys as last year minus deontay yeah. williams DiCaprio boodle had 15 breakups last year he got beat a lot too not late in the year oh i just need to see it Brunt's just giving up on the secondary. It's a, a pretty good answer. You, you fair. came up with that on the spot. Uh, I hemmed and hawed a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody's believing in it. So the it, I could go opposite of this where there's a lot of skepticism. I'm buying the Alex Davis talk from the team and the coaches, even if I feel like most of the people in the media and the fan base are not. So the spinning that question a little bit different way, like, I fully expect Alex Davis to go and have a nice senior year. I guess I'm not – it's kind of what Bruns is saying, but the other side of the ball with receivers, I'm not completely sold that they have all the answers there yet. I think they have some pieces that are going to make it more entertaining this year, like Wandale and stuff like that. But if I'm talking just true receivers – 
I still don't know who I totally believe in yet, and I'm intrigued by Conavai Noah, but I want to see it like in this offense and what that really looks like. And then Andre Hunt is really interesting to me because he seems to be amongst the newer guys to be a favorite because of where he's repping. He's always like with the top group or right around the top group. And it this is not a slam on Andre. It's just like when we've been there, there hasn't been that moment where I've been like, oh, wow, you know. But that doesn't mean anything because we only see glimpses. But what I'm just, that's why I'm curious. They're obviously seeing something they really like in him. Well, and he was the name that came up last year at times. And there's like they were waiting for him to sort of take over the spot. And then he played a little bit at the end of the season. Was he hurt in the spring game? Or did I think he was he out played there? In the spring yeah, game. he played, but he didn't do didn't a do lot, it. and that's yeah. what I'm saying. There's yeah. kind of like he hasn't had that moment like in front of you where he makes that play yet, where your mm-hmm. eyes have seen it. So you're you're just believing what you're hearing to this point, and I'm not doubting it. I'm just saying that that he's kind of the example of the receivers as a whole, where I'm hearing the right stuff, but it's like okay, the, I have to see it. So to sum this up, Brunt thinks that Travis Fisher's group is trash. You Say think that, that to Travis Walters Fisher's face. Doesn't have a uh, <laughs> a second wide receiver to go along. JD Spielman, and I think that Alex Davis might be okay this year. He you really <laughs> spun that to make yourself yeah. look like a gentleman. Schaefer's <laughs> thinking Alex Davis might win the Buckus. Oh man! Uh, all right, let's. Uh, Bruns, do you want to touch on basketball here? We'll, we'll touch them briefly. Um, they're back from Italy. They went four and zero while there. A lot of cannolis. Holy cannoli! Yes. Um, probably some pasta. Uh, I don't know. What do you take away from beating four overmatched Nothing. teams in Europe? They, I'm sure they got a lot of time together, uh, which is good. The pictures look great. Here's here's ever, my guess, biggest takeaway. I need to be to go to Lake Como at some point. That was yeah. one of my takeaways. Pretty nice. Yeah. Um, my my big takeaway here. Doc Sadler is going to be like the media sensation for the Nebraska basketball team. He's turning into a hell of a follow on Twitter. <laughs> I can't can't get on board. I just can't do it. What, what? It feels forced. I don't know. It's I don't I don't think that it is forced. At I, all. I I just I don't know. I don't get it. Um I, I don't understand. Yeah. I Doc Sadler's living a pretty good life right now. Oh yeah, think, he's living a great life. There's no denying that. He's getting paid as much as he did at Southern Miss, and he has half the responsibilities, and he never has to recruit again, which is his dream. Yeah. Uh, so what do you take away from that? Matej Kavas started four, all four games. I think he and Hanif Cheatham are going to be a really big part of making whatever this is go from like a glue guy perspective. You, you, don't, you don't have Ivan Wadrago. Ivan Wadrago. Him. Didn't didn't have him. You didn't have Cam uh, Cam Mack. Did you really say Ivan? Yeah, it's <laughs> like a, the bad guy in a Die Hard movie. Yeah, I know. Well, that's how I <laughs> that's how I say it in my head, and I, I'm working. I'm getting there. <laughs> You're close. Uh, Basketball season's still a ways away. I I think that that first game you probably have Cam Mack would be your starting point guard, and Wade Dryogo would probably be your starting five. So, man, they're gonna get eaten alive in the Big Ten. I think that they've got guards and wings that could really make them competitive. Like, I, I think that was the one they thing. They shoot. I mean, they're going to be competitive with De- teams. Though. Deshaun Burke, Gervais yeah. Green, all those guys. So, I mean, it, there's not a ton of takeaways. Cheatham and Kavash shot well in Europe. Yep. Um, 
I'm blanking on the kid's name. I need like a roster. Samari Curtis. Yeah, he was the guy that everybody said was pretty impressive. The way he shot it, also the way he created for guys. So he would be uh, one of your early uh, watch that guy. BC was excited about Samari Curtis when he. I I I we, am. We did a podcast that nobody got to listen to because I screwed up the audio where we talked. Oh, about we took some flack for it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. People attempted to listen. Yeah. I don't know why. We weren't was... pleased, but I'd probably say if I were to make a long distance guess, I'm guessing they're going to be middle of the Big Ten or lower middle. Sixteen and sixteen. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they're going to be a team though because of the fact that they have some shooters. And they're going to play a fun, Dangerous. a fun brand that is going to annoy some, some big boys. Like they're they're going to have that game or two against you know Michigan State or somebody, uh, where they just frustrate the heck out of them and and knock somebody off. And they're going to beat Michigan State on Big Monday, like Hoiberg. Uh, Mark it down. I think it'll be an exciting team to watch. Okay, that's all we um, got. Do you want to say anything about Logan Foster real quickly before I talk about recruiting for two minutes and we finish this up? Uh, Logan Foster, former Texas A&M freshman All-American and Lincoln native is back, enrolled at Nebraska, will wear number three, Alex Gordon's old number. Wow. Um, We'll be sitting out this year. We'll have one year to play in the 2021 season. So, I mean, that's a good get for Will Bolt and his staff. Foster had kind of a couple down years down at A&M at the plate, but – uh, they get him on the. I'd like to point out his down years would yeah. look damn nice yeah. on Nebraska's statistical roster. Yeah, he year. he would look pretty good paired with Aaron Polinski with some right. of the numbers he had at AM. But is Polinski just a junior? Yeah, he was a he was a three year guy. Is he a guy that could be drafted? Uh, he will be eligible this coming year. But uh, right, but I mean, do you think that that's he can hit? He, but his measurables aren't great. But he his numbers were good last right. year. No, he his power numbers are good. He had a really good summer out in Virginia, so that'll that be something else to follow. Um, but yeah, I mean it, that, that's they've added talent to this team um, pretty quickly, which is tough to do, I think, as a new coaching staff in college baseball because you have to have your numbers pretty much set by July. So yeah, I mean, you didn't get Nebraska didn't get Logan Foster the first time around, but they'll take him this time. All right. Well, we will finish up with this. Jakeem Green joined the team this week. Uh, He's been at practice. He was practicing today. I did not see him, but I am informed that he was there. Uh, Bruns, I imagine, got a photo of him. Uh, Did he look like a slim 327? Yeah. I mean, he's – So the the concerns that had been voiced mostly by myself of wondering how a guy – What kind of shape he's in? Yeah, because you don't know what he's been doing. I mean – he was running around in a helmet and shirt. We'll see, like, when he actually gets in there. But he I, – I commented to somebody that it's kind of like when you go and c- cover a bowl game when Nebraska's playing, like, an SEC team, and you kind of look at a guy and you're like, wow, that, that's a that's a football player. Um, that's kind of how he looked. He's got a big trunk, yeah. as we say. Some say. I just said it. <laughs> BC said it. All right, next week when we return, <laughs> could Nebraska that. have a new commitment? Could they get up to nine in this class? Sevion Morrison, running back out of Tulsa, is set to make a decision on August 21st. Um, I think Nebraska is in good position. I don't think I put in a crystal ball pick yet because I forgot, but I will go do that at some point. And I think the, the Huskers will be at nine. We'll discuss that and more and whatever else has happened at camp during that time period. It'll all be on the website, so be sure to check that out at Husker 24-7, and we will join you next week.